Welcome back to Coach Class with me, Don Birch. This is the podcast where I get to speak to inspirational leaders and coaches from across the world. And I'm delighted this week to welcome onto Coach Class, Amanda Cox. Now, Amanda currently leads Dunelm's People and Stores teams. She joined Dunelm in March 2015. Prior to that, her career began at Marks and Spencer, where she was on the grad scheme, worked there for 10 years, before moving on to Asda and starting at Asda as a store manager and working her way all the way up to Vice President of People. Amanda, welcome to Coach Class. Thank you. So, gosh, what a career, eh? And I, I hadn't appreciated, actually, that you started, when you were at Asda, you actually started as a store manager, which is a great route, isn't it, into getting your hand, head around what it is to be a retailer? It certainly is. And actually, it's something that's been real, really important at Dunelm is that, you know, this focus on homegrown talent and really taking out what we call now store coaches and developing them across the business. Um, and we've got loads of brilliant examples of that. And there's no better way to learn um, than on the shop floor. Although, of course, the world is changing. And that works really well in our retail business. Um, but clearly, you know, what is retail now? It's it's all changing as we as we adapt to a digital age and and a digital a more digital business. But yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's certainly helped me in great stead because you can always relate to what the store coaches are telling you and what really matters to them. So I'm just going to rewind a little bit then. So talk to me about, you know, what brought you into this world of, of people management and, and where did that come from? Was that something that, you know, through university or back in your school days? What was the, Can you sort of look back to a moment where you thought, you know, I'm going to get the most out of my life by helping and working alongside and, and leading people? Well, it's funny, actually, because when I joined M&S on the grad scheme, I had the choice of being in store or, or actually um, being a, what was then a sort of a personnel manager in those days, dare I say. And actually, I couldn't bear the thought of doing personnel. It sounded dreadful. It was all about, you know, dealing with people's issues. Didn't interest me at all. I was probably the most terrible leader at, at people in my early stages of my career. And then I came to Asda, and obviously as I matured, I, I realised how central people was to everything we did. You know, if, you, if it was a good story, it was because of the people. If it was a bad story, it was because the, the, yeah, there, was, there, there was problems with the people it all came down to people and that really inspired me to get into people but I didn't actually decide it was my career I wanted to do regional people management to help me think differently to get into some kind of regional management and then thought I'd go back to the store world and eventually become an area manager but actually I fell in love with it and um, that was the point when I then decided to have a proper career in people and go into as the house and um and pursue a people career but it, it it wasn't kind of a destiny and that's the great thing about Asda you know you could kind of explore many different things and that that was fantastic you know and actually then find what you really enjoyed almost by accident in many ways. And it was it was pretty innovative wasn't it Asda in terms of it was quite mm-hmm. forward looking so like you know I remember when I was at school a mate of mine worked at Asda in Lower Early and I remember him saying to me I'm a colleague and I'm like what are you talking about you know just this is sort of alien language yet there isn't a business now that you talk to that doesn't refer to the people as being colleagues rather than members of staff. And this yeah. idea that, you know, you were managing your human resources, which felt very kind of, ooh, you know, you sort of wince at it now, but everyone now is, you know, a leader of people. That's mm. become common parlance, hasn't it? But it wasn't always that way. No, and I think what Asda did did brilliantly in its heyday was was they did really totemic things. You know, the way they brought the values to life, whether goodness me, years and years ago, we're talking now when suddenly, you know, they didn't want the store managers at that time to wear a jacket and there was no jacket required and it was the hanger and the jacket went on. it. It was this totemic way 
that they brought their values to life. It genuinely mattered. It genuinely mattered. It was all colleagues, one team. It was this whole thing of totemically, it, it wasn't just something that's written on the wall. It really mattered. And I think that's something that's great about Dunelm. What we do isn't something written on the wall. It really, really matters. And, and that has definitely been something that Asda did brilliantly in its heyday. So let's talk a bit about Dunelm then, because obviously you've just lived through, you know, once in a generation pandemic, hopefully, uh, hopefully. and we're beginning to come back out of the side and sort of normalities resume. Now for retail, of course, you know, for shops and for workers in shops, the pandemic was business as usual to some extent, wasn't it? And you had to adapt so quickly, but also be in the firing line of being mm. the police officer in shops and telling people to put the mask on, all that good stuff. But just talk me through that, because that must have been hugely challenging for everybody. But also, I guess there's been some, you know, really positive outcomes as well in learning how we can adapt and how we can work differently. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's been amazing. It's actually been amazing for Dunelm, which sounds a weird thing to say. Um, and clearly, notwithstanding that it's been a, a terrible impact on people's lives. But actually, we feel more connected to our colleagues than we ever have. And our colleagues are more engaged than they've ever been. I think there's a few things that made that difference. First of all, when when the first instantly happened, we just sent everyone home and we closed the business for a couple of days, even our web business, to really get a handle on what was going on and to ensure whatever we did, we could keep people safe. So that was the first thing we did. The second thing that we did was we never, I mean, we eventually paid our furlough back anyway, so it's kind of all irrespective now. We, we didn't take any furlough money. But we never furloughed our store coaches because what we asked them to do was to work from home and contact all of their colleagues twice a week to check they were okay. So in that initial um, stage when we weren't open, and that was quite a few weeks, and to look after our clinically extremely vulnerable. So we have a real community and family fill in our stores, and we had examples of other colleagues or store coaches going and getting their shopping and helping them. So there was that real camaraderie. But we really wanted our store coaches to be there for our colleagues, so that was the priority. It wasn't about get as many people as you can on furlough. It was about what's the right thing to do. And the other thing is we have this brilliant um I do lots of videos talking to our colleagues, which we never did before. We have this brilliant um, site, um, our internet site, like called Home Comforts. So we call it Home Comforts because obviously we sell things to the home. So we call it Home Comforts. And Nick and I did a video to colleagues every week. And we were really honest with them. We would tell them about what was happening. We would explain pay arrangements. We would explain any reopening plans. And we've done, we did that all the way through the pandemic. And actually, it's amazing. You know, when I go to stores now, which obviously I spend most a lot of my life in, I had a colleague yesterday, even though it's been quite a long time now, I can't see, said, thank you so much for doing that because it actually kept me going during the, the worst pandemic. There was lots of examples of, of, of companies where they didn't contact their colleagues while they were on furlough and then suddenly they wanted them back and, oh, by the way, we're contacting you now. And we, whether it was locally with the store coaches or nationally with what we were doing on video and bringing to life what we were doing with our communities that really helped everyone feel connected we never felt more connected and we created a new uh Dunham value out of that which is stronger together that's what happened through the pandemic we all became stronger together we all felt we were in it together we listened we learned we got some on home comforts everyone can write what they're thinking and our colleagues were very honest with us. And occasionally, we sometimes we got things wrong, right? We were, we were learning with them and sometimes we got it wrong and we had to readjust. We asked at one point, for example, our store coaches to go into store and take some deliveries in because we need to get the stock flowing. They were really uncomfortable and we had to stop it for a bit. We just said, okay, 
fine, let's just stop that. And we we were responding all the time and it was a conversation. It wasn't, this is what, it was a conversation all the time of what we should do next. Even in reopening, we didn't reopen all our stores in line with the moment we could. We did it over time and we learned. So it, it was, yeah, it was in many ways brought us closer together. And that thing about being in conversation requires both parties to listen, doesn't it? And, you know, having yeah. just done a coaching course and, you know, I feel like I'm Nancy Klein's favourite pupil, you know, <laughs> time to think. Re- listening with that intent to really understand mm-hmm. and to listen with every fibre, you know, to actually notice mm-hmm. what how people are feeling, the pace of the language. Mm-hmm. That's so important, isn't it? Because the signals that were being sent out through the end of a Zoom are very difficult to read compared to being in an office together, being in a room together. Absolutely. And, and you know, and we lis- listening, whether it felt we had to listen virtually when, you know, we couldn't contact and, and then we were listening. So, for example, we would do all store coach calls where there'd be live Q&A and we would listen and understand. And we only have four values and one of them is listening and learning. Now, we don't call it listening and acting. It's very easy to listen and act, but you might actually act in haste and not do the right thing. So the whole point is listen, learn, understand, then decide what to do. And again, that was very powerful and it's remained very powerful since. That's really interesting because actually one of the things that you've put in place is feeling at home wherever you work, which I just, I mean, one, I love the name of that because it just makes perfect sense. Yeah. But it's clearly now the way that a lot of companies are going to have to work, aren't they? This sort of sense of, I guess, a hybrid model of what can you do at home? What do you need to do with other people and therefore in a workspace? And how do you blend those things together that, I guess, so it all joins up, right? So people are in the right place at the right time. I mean, it sounds a bit of a challenge, but what's what's been your approach? So we've decided to um, not do gimmicks. So I think some companies have gone down a road of gimmicks. So I heard, you know, go and work abroad for a month, a year. I think that's that's a gimmick. I think um, not be prescriptive. So you've got to be in the office two days a week. Well, why? And make it really personal. So I think what we've learned is things are very personal for people, either how they feel coming out of the pandemic, how they best work. You know, we've got hugely introverted people in our team. We've got massively extroverted people. We have a spectrum like everywhere. You know, we are a microcosm of society. And therefore, what we wanted to do was take the most flexible approach as well and say, actually, what we really want you to do is feel at home. And because we sell homewares and we're all and obviously home has become centric to life during the pandemic. We want you to feel at home wherever you work. So what we've done is we've recreated the offices. We've made much more collaborative space in the offices and less desks, because actually, if you're just working at your desk all day, arguably you may well be better to do that at home if that suits you and you've got a great setup at home and that's better for you actually when you're in the office you probably want to be more social and you want to be doing things that are more together so we've first of all created different space and we hop desks now in the office Um, so different space different ways of working so really teams are getting together and working out when's best for them to be in the office so that they don't just come in to sit there and nobody else is in but actually to sit there for purpose and, and have meetings together. So in my team, we've agreed what meetings we really want to be face-to-face and what ones we're happy to be to be, to be be virtual. And we recognise it's going to take time. And again, coming back to that listening and learning, we've got to listen and learn together. We've also, so we've recently created a 
a new wellbeing calendar so that when people do come in, there is social activity going on. So we are doing the bring your dog to work. Yeah, loads of people have got puppies during the <laughs> during the lockdowns. So let's, let's introduce each other to the, to our dogs uh, more formally. Um, or crazy golf on the lawn. Or so we're also trying or quizzes. We're trying to create some social events to help people when they come in, as well as we did some big welcome home events to tour the buildings. We've done the same in London as we've done in Leicester. We've created some different spaces to have a barbecue to get together. So it's not a perfect thing. We're all learning. We've we've done we've also done lots of leadership sessions. Lane four, who are now part of EMY, helped us do all of these leadership sessions on how do you manage a hybrid team? How do you lead a team? And what we've learned is that probably 75, 80% of people would say they're more productive at home, but the equally 75 to 80% would feel they feel more connected in the office. So how do we create the best of both so we don't lose that human connection, which we've really had in the last couple of years and been stronger together? And some of that we need to do when we're at home as well. And remember to just have light touch conversations as well as, right, I'm in this meeting, I'm in this meeting, I'm in this meeting. Then how do we truly use um, the office to collaborate, to create our best work, to you know have time together and that social interaction? We 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 thrive on human connection. And we shouldn't lose that in all of this. And then, of course, finally, how do we ensure we don't lose sight of our new starters? We are employing a lot of people at the moment. Yeah, we are growing as a business, hugely successfully. There's a lot of new people joining. I'm very, very conscious. It's harder to join remotely. So how do we make that better too? So not easy answers to any of it. But if Mm. we do it together, if we learn together, if we do it in a way that isn't prescriptive, my sense is eventually we will get to a better place as a result of all of that. Amazing. I love it. I mean, I love I love the thinking. I love the, the, the theory being put into practice as well. And that idea that just recognising it is hard to join. You know, it's hard to join a company at the best of times, but doing that remotely and that sense of how do you train culture into people? How do people mm-hmm. feel it, absorb it? And, you know, I remember sitting opposite Nick Agarwal and you learn about Asda's culture by seeing how other right. people spoke, how they behaved, how they reacted, when they challenged, how they challenged. I mean, I'll never forget, I, I remember mimicking what I thought was Asda culture and sending off a note to uh, Andy Bond, who was chief exec at the time, and getting a rather frosty response from somebody else. And I thought, but I just did what Nick did. I hadn't, mm. I hadn't built up the credibility by that point. I hadn't put the credit in the bank at that point. And mm. so you learn through doing, don't you? You have to see it in action. And that bit, you know, how we really make those new starters feel part of Dunelm, we we are still learning that. We're doing loads of great work on virtual inductions. We're learning about making sure people have things like practical things, like their kit on day one, you know, delivered to their house and all of that. But but it needs to be more than that. And so we are really challenging ourselves as leaders of how are we the best leaders in the world? Because when you're a leader, you can't just care about what you want to do. So, you know, look, I'm a natural extrovert. I love being out, right? So I, I don't really get a lot of energy from being at home. But actually, if my team get more energy from working that way, actually, it's more important as a leader that I'm responding to what they want than what my needs are. And so I think we have to also, in a leader, you're, you're, you're wearing a double hat. You've got into a routine yourself, and we've all told for the last 18 months, stay at home, but actually you've got to respond to what your team want. And therefore it's it's harder in those leadership positions to make sure you are doing the right thing by your people as well as getting energy yourself. Well, listen, we're almost out of time, but I haven't asked you about the future. And I feel like I have to always ask people to give me a little sense of what's around the corner because in the position you're in, 
How do you see things shaping out, uh, maybe more at a kind of society industry level than, than Dunelm? What do you think the future of work looks like in the next sort of six, 12 months? Well, I think it's going to be very interesting. We're in a labour market where if you are somebody looking for a job, you're in a great position because, you know, we just heard on the news this week that um, the highest level of job vacancies ever. So I think it's going to be dictated by the market as much as anything else. Society has changed. So I've never, you know, I've been around far too long and have never seen such a quick shift. And I think actually the challenges we face now are far harder than the challenges we faced in the pandemic. Um, I mean, we're very fortunate. Dunelm is growing. It's doing brilliantly. But we need to respond to what's going on in society and make sure we are truly meaningful for people. And meaningful isn't just about, you know, where you work, how you work. It's also about things like sustainability. How is it a good company? Is it fundamentally a good company that cares about the environment, that cares about people, that cares about its community? So we have got to be, you know, far better at bringing all of that to life for people than we've ever done before. And I think society is going to be really challenged in the next year. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard. People's mental well-being, that is still a massive challenge. And we're still being assaulted by all the things that are going on in the world right now. So I think it's really difficult. And I think all you can do is stay stronger together, really listen and learn and don't do things that are only for the short term. You've got to be really thinking about the long term and investing in doing the right thing by your people for the long term, not some short term thing that sounds good in the moment. But it's none of it's easy. And it's probably the hardest time and thinking I've ever done around some of these big issues that we're facing. Amanda, we'll leave it there. But thank you so much for giving up some of your precious time. I'm sure you're. Okay. it's clear you're keeping busy and doing a fantastic job for the people of Dunelm. So once again, Amanda Cox, Stores and People Director at Dunelm. Thank you so much for coming on to Coach Class. Thank you. You're more than welcome.